young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool, you may even think it is bogus, but I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing, something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you, something called grassroots. This is Aaron Ashley Simon. And this is Brandon Killer BH Hall. And welcome to another episode of Grassroots Podcast, where it's not just about where you're going, where you are currently, but it's also about where you came from. And today we have a special episode because we drove nine hours to come to this artist studio. Now, under normal circumstances, the audio sounds great. You guys have given us a lot of praise about it. But this is going to be a little different considering we're literally sitting in studio uh, with our artists that we have on deck today. Now, I'm most excited about this, number one, considering we got to find a loophole in this whole no-fly zone shit because we drove. And on top of it, again, it's not often you're let into the shady bat cave with someone so special as our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, Royce the 5'9". What's going on, man? I want to thank you for having us in this little Fonsway, Budokai-ass uh, <laughs> studio you got going on. This shit is nice, man. I ain't going to lie, man. I could tell Royce made it. He's got mad candles lit in here. He's got uh, African uh, zebra rugs all, all over the place, man. I ain't, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. How does it feel, Royce? Uh, it feels cool, man. It feels cool. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm one of those guys. I just like to record all the time, so... Try to make the studio as comfortable as possible because this is where I spend like all of my time. Yeah. I, all I, of my time. I, I, I know that. Anytime I call Royce, Royce is like, yo, what up? I'm in the studio. Like, <laughs> the records at the desk recording and shit. So I'm like, damn, I'm always in his way. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never been in a studio recording or anything. So I don't know that experience. So, like, do you basically just like, you live here? Pretty much, pretty much. Weeks upon weeks? Days upon days? Days upon days. Days upon days. I try to balance it between family. Okay. You know, I got a lot of babies. I'm like a baby making machine, but <laughs> <That's the baby. laughs> so you know I gotta, I gotta, you know I, I try to balance it out. Maybe me and my my boy here, me and my boy Brian, we'll bro- we'll do three four days, three four days, and then I'll go home and rest three four days and come back. Student blocks. All right, that's dope. Now let's just get right into it. Who is Royce the Five Nine? I'm a very uh, Royce is a very complex individual at times. And then it gets really, really simple, you know. Um, the older I get and the more comfortable I become in my own skin, the more that uh, Royce the 5'9 and Ryan Montgomery just becomes the same person. You know, like, the older I get, the less I'm even turning on the Royce the 5'9 persona. It's just one guy, you know what I mean? And I just, I, I just like to work. I want to take care of my family. Um, all I want out of the game at this point is everything that I may have missed making mistakes in the past. I don't ever want, I never wanted to be famous. You know, that's not not really like an important thing to me, but I want to make really good music that lasts. I want to make music that helps people get through things. And um anything I got coming my way, man, I want it in its entirety. Well deserved. So now, Thank you. getting getting into that, because I think that's a, a big thing that a lot of artists struggle with. You know, me and, me and Aaron, we, we talk yeah. about it a lot. You know, uh, people like yourself that reach a certain level of stardom, 
you kind of are juggling now at this point, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. you have, you know, Ryan Montgomery, the person that just wants to be normal and be accepted and just kind of live life carefree. And then you have Royce the 5'9", you know, multi-platinum selling artists, and, and you know, and you have all these these kind of issues that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, when, when you're not recording and, and, you, and you can actually just be you and feel you at home, who, who is Ryan? Same person, pretty much. I mean, I just I'm I'm the same person that's in here behind the mic. It's the same guy that just wants to be around family. I got this need now, man. It's like a need. It's almost like my it's 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 a charter, it's a part of my recharge process. When I go home, I'm all about the babies. That's why I stay here so many days because I can't get shit done at the house. Yeah. Nothing like I can't write <laughs> one lyric. At my home, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's part part of that reason is I got girls, you know what I mean? Like, I got three girls, man. So it's like they're very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they love like, they're, they're very, they're very, I mean, outside of that, yeah, they're very commanding of my time. Mm-hmm. They want all of it. No, they want I, all my time. I know. I FaceTimed Royce one time, and his, his daughter was using his head like a jungle. Like, you know, I, I, I got to call, call you back. I got to call you back. I'm like, damn, Royce, all right. Yeah, so it's just like when I'm Ryan Montgomery at the house, it's like I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm the same guy that I am when I'm making raps, except I'm not writing them. Okay. I'm not able to write them, but I'm the exact same person. I cut everything out. All the additional shit that made me Royce the 5'9 in the past, like fucking with a bunch of chicks or drinking, you know what I mean? Like I cut all that shit out, you know what I mean? Like I'll just live my life like a righteous man now, you know what I mean? And I just, I want all my blessings. I want everything that's coming my way. I'm curious to know, a lot of times when rappers have daughters, they do a complete 180 in terms of their lifestyle and, and what they do in their career. So how is that experience for you with your daughter? She was part of the reason why I started making changes. You know, um, I, I think part of that reason is they're so perceptive. You know, I had boys first, and generally that's all we used to make, us Montgomery's, my whole lineage. That's all we make is boys, you know what I mean? So when I had my first girl, it was she was like the first girl in the family in a long time, you know what I mean? So it was just like she wants to know everything. She asks all the questions. She wants to know why to the answer to the question that she just asks. You know what I mean? This is like... You can't get away with shit. Like, I was a full-blown, I mean, I still am an alcoholic, but I was a full-blown alcoholic, like, drinking every day. And my son didn't even know. If you, He's 19 years old now, so if you talk to him and you ask him, he'd be like, I don't shit. My dad was cool, shit. He didn't, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't, if that was my girl, she'd be like, he used to do this. He used to come in at this time, and he used to be staggering. You know what I'm saying? Like... So it's just way different with the girl. So I think I kind of dodged the bullet. I stopped drinking right as she was reaching my my oldest daughter, Lyric. Right as she was reaching that age, you know what I mean? Like where she is aware, I stopped. So that was five years ago. So that's like, that was like the lucky thing for me. And then, you know, not, not even just having girls, but as you get a little bit older, man, you just start understanding the universe a little bit better. You know what I mean? You you just you just you start realizing that you got to be held accountable for all actions. Not even just, you know, your actions, but the words you put into the universe, everything. It all it's all relative. That's 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 very true and I think, you know, I think you had that awakening moment, you know. Mm-hmm. I think as you kind of have this rebirth 
of, you know, Royce the Five Nine really becoming Ryan Montgomery. You also have a, a birth of your child, and now it's like, okay, I, I got to get my shit together. Like, I have someone now that looks up to me. Um, and you touched on it earlier. You said, you know, between your kids having to see certain things and then doing shit with, with you know, different women, you know, when you, you're, you're very open about it on your records. How do you think, you know, you deal with it when you, I guess, when you go home and now when these records come out, your family, your daughters, your kids, and they, they hear these things. How do you kind of get them to understand that, hey, this is, the patch on the road. Let me tell you something, bro. It's way easier to deal with it when you forthcoming with the information than it is when you're secretive about it. You know what I mean? Like when it's out, when it's there, yeah. it's nothing my wife can say. It's there. You know what I mean? It's nothing behind your back. It's all there. You know what I mean? And and that that healing process. Once you with a woman, especially if you with her since you know you kids, y'all raise each other, and then you become adults, and then you know you everything is fine, and then you decide to take this other path. Yeah. She's never going to understand that. You know what I mean? So when you come back and say, okay, I'm back mature again. What's up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so now it's like y'all, y'all back rebuilding and it's almost like she's coming to you to help her rebuild her confidence back up because you tore, totally just tore the shit down. Yeah. And she's looking to you for this helping hand, but you don't have it because you're carrying baggage. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's, that's kind of like what we're working on. So it's like nothing that heals itself in a day or two. It's just a lifetime process, but that's what marriage is. Yeah, like that old couple sitting on the porch have been through everything. They made a choice to stick through it. You know what I mean? Like what I see in Hollywood a lot of times is just people just giving up. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to fight through anything. It's like, you cheated. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? All right, your ass going to be alone. You know what I <laughs> mean? So that's kind of like how I look at that. But ultimately, it's just about being self-aware. You know what I mean? Like a big part of this game is how do you want to be perceived? Do you want to be, I went, you know, like I got my first deal when I was 19 years old and I rapped about how much Patron I used to drink. That shit is cool in your 20s. You start getting in your 30s, 35. How cool is that shit still? It's whack. You know what I'm saying? So it's like even the kids see that. So it's like, and my daughters don't listen to fucking rap music. They don't know shit. Take them around Eminem. They don't even know who he is. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like they don't hear none of that, so it don't even really matter. But it's like, so that's I, I dodge that bullet. But it's just looking at the masses in general, the people who I need to sell records to. How do I even want to look in front of them? So how do you deal with the spotlight? You have your personal matters in your music. And I was talking to Brandon not too long ago about how you don't really do interviews. So when you do do interviews and they pry into these personal situations, does it take you out of your comfort zone? I, I don't let anybody take me beyond my comfort zone, you know, and that's with anything. That's with anything. And it's only because I don't perform well under those conditions, yeah. in any condition, no matter what the situation is. If I'm next door boxing and he like, do one more set. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I won't do one more set because I won't be able to walk all week and I won't be able to, you know what I'm saying? Like I won't be able to get my job done because my legs won't work. <laughs> So I won't allow myself, and you know, that's the part of getting older too, is just knowing your limits, you know, and I don't don't allow anybody to push me past my limit. But you know what, man, like when it comes to media and and talking about things that are personal, I got tough, I got thick skin, man. You know what I'm saying? Like my limits, you can can push me probably further than you can push most artists. And I like to be transparent in anything that I do. Um, I've never been a good liar. You know, it's never been a comfort zone for me to just be lying and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to tell the truth. 
I like not to hide anything. I like the way I feel when I'm honest. So that's how I am with my music. And I like the way I feel when I get things out. And that's why, you know, therapy is so important for me. You know what I mean? I agree. I, I think that's a good point. And, you know, I, again, just touching on it, I, I've known you for a while, and I always, I always hear you speak about your father and how he was like, he, he was the, the stern person that kind of wanted and, and instilled these values in you and, and kind of getting your own and having your own mindset. Do you find yourself doing that now more so with your kids? Like, do you have your own little idiosyncrasies that you catch yourself saying, damn, that's, that's what my pops used to say? Everything. Sister. Every single thing. Every single thing. If I yell at my son, it's like, I scare myself because <laughs> like, I'm like, Dad, is that you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I sound exactly like him. I mean, you know, we take on those mannerisms. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I heard him and I seen him. I witnessed him for so long. All since, you know, from, uh, from a baby all the way to about 18, 19, I lived with my dad. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I took on pretty much all of his characteristics, all of them, from being an addict on down, everything. Pretty much the same person. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that moment where you realize, like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm my dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, damn, my dad really did know shit. Mm-hmm. Me. I thought my dad was just, wow, like he knew it. <laughs> but see, that's the difference with me. I thought my dad knew everything. I thought he knew everything. I thought he was like the smartest man in the, in the world. I tried to understand how. How is this nigga so smart? <laughs> I thought he knew everything. That's like a first. Like, I'm, maybe I'm just one of those stupid kids that just didn't listen to my parents. Well, yeah, that's how my son is. <laughs> he's, a, of, he's an idiot. I was one of those. My mom would be like, yo, don't touch that. And I go touch it. Like, now you're burned. Now you got third degree burns on your leg. Now. Okay, well, that's different. No, I didn't listen to him. I didn't listen to him. I had to, I had to find my own way. But I did think he was the smartest. I thought he knew everything. He had the answers to everything. If, if I went to him about anything, Dad, why is this like this? Why is this? My daughter told me, like, recently, she was like, Dad, you're so smart. You know everything. And I was like, I sure do. <laughs> you're right. I know every fucking thing. It, it does. It does. I enjoy it while it lasts because, you know, like, trust me, once she becomes a teenager, she's going to realize I don't know much of shit. Oh, man. And then she starts dating, too. She's like, Dad, leave me alone. Like, when she bring me homework and shit, I'll just be like, uh, when Royce used to bring me homework, he in college now. He used to bring me homework. I used to be like, yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah, just take it to your mom, though, man, because I got I got a phone call. I got a make. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got a phone call I got to make. I know exactly how to do that shit, though. You take that to your mom, though. And then call him Sonny Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we're kids, we act like we know everything that our parents aren't right. And especially when you're having a very successful career, um, I assume that's probably the same. So when was that moment when you realized, like, dang, like, they're actually right? It's hard to put a finger on it, you know, because, like I said, I, I felt like my dad knew everything. I, I distinctly remember in my early 20s really feeling like, I should not be doing this. But, you know, they say curiosity. It's the curiosity kills everything. You know what I mean? Like, you sometimes you know it's not right, but your curiosity just, and then, you know, if everybody else is doing it, it's just kind of like that kind of thing. So I, I kind of fell into that. And I always, as a youngin', being accepted was a big thing for me. Like, I, I, I really wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be, my big brother was crazy. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have a lot of friends. He rebelled against everything. So I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to have friends. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be normal. So it's just like a few things that I did in my early 20s, I did it just because I felt like it was a part of it. Like drinking. 
Like I started drinking when I was 21. First drink was with Dr. Dre and Eminem. Yeah, I, I get that because, I mean, you came in at 19. So being surrounded with Eminem and Dre, you probably had all these types of pressures. Is that, you know, what kind of led to the drinking? I mean, I, I was born an addict, you know what I mean? So when I started to drink, it was just like, it just clicked in. Oh, we got something, we got something else to be addicted to. Okay. Because I think my first addiction was hot sauce. My first addiction was hot sauce. No, I didn't. My mom put hot sauce on my thumb because I was a thumb sucker when I was a kid. Me too. Yeah, so my mom, my mom put hot sauce on my thumb. I guess that was supposed to stop me from sucking my thumb, but it just made me love hot sauce. So I love hot sauce. I was addicted to hot sauce, and I was addic- addicted to chewing gum. Like if I if I'm not chewing gum, I'm grinding my teeth. Shit, that's like a snapple fact. Sidebar, um, that just lets me know. I, 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 I often say that I have serial killer lists of my friends that mm-hmm. you could potentially turn into serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, Royce, <laughs> my guy, man, but just moved up a notch. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. So when it came to your addiction and previous circumstances, do you feel like those experiences were driven by your need to fit in? Yeah, I think I started. I think that's the mind frame I was in when I started drinking. And I, I really... Um, I went a lot. I went all through my teenage years. Like all of my friends were drinking, but I was so big in the sports. I just looked down on it. And then my big brother used to just come in. The, he used to come in the crib. He gave me a bad like feeling about alcohol because he was drinking like back when niggas was drinking old English eight hundred and shit. He used to drink like he used to like the bad drunks, like the real bad beer drunk. He used to come in like that, you know what I'm saying? He used to come in the crib, and I used to be like, why Why does he keep coming in here so drunk? Because he's like, my, he knew my dad was going to trip, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, I used to think to myself, like, nah, man, I don't want to look like that, you know what I'm saying? So I just kept hooping, you know what I'm saying? And then it was like, once I got into the business, I traded my previous life of being an athlete in to be an artist, you know? So when I got, um... I was around Dre and all of them, and it was just like a comfort zone for me, you know, being around those kind of people who were working on that level, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like, yo, man, you need to be drinking, you know what I'm saying? I don't want ever want to paint that kind of picture about them, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it was just, it was just around. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't aware, first of all, and it was just around. It was just available, and it was like, you know what, man, let me try, let me, let me take a drink, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in such a great mood right now. I got Eminem to the right of me, Dre to the left. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was just like I started drinking, and it was, it was, it was like a pro- progressional thing from there. You know what I mean? It took a while. It took a while for me to really like it, and once I started liking it, it was just like it was on from there. Now I'm terrible with birthdays and anniversaries, but you have something coming up real soon, don't you? Mm-hmm. September, September 13th. Now, how long does that make for you? Five. My guy, ladies and gentlemen, race to five nine. I met Royce at, at a very young age where we, he, uh, he, Royce doesn't believe me because he said he doesn't remember, but Royce tried to beat me up. We, we, we argued about uh, me going to the store getting liquor, and I stood up to him because he thought I was like a bellhop or some shit. And after I stood up to him, he said, I like you. Stick around. <laughs> Legitimately, that's what happened. And then after that, Royce was just like the greatest person. Like, Where were we at? Where were we at? Uh, we were in... Uh, it was my Kino's house. I remember it was a studio over there. I just remember it was me, Joe, you, 
uh, Vicious. It was a studio in Jersey? Yeah. yeah. Bank house, you must be talking yes, about. Yes, yes. It was a house and it was a booth. To, I just remember it being a booth to the right hand of it. And you were playing these fucking amazing records. Amazing. I was just like, holy shit. This, this guy, who said he fell off? I'm confused. <laughs> these records. And I was just blown away. I'm like, yo. That was, actually, that was actually Joe that said I fell off. Yeah, well, yeah. If you yeah, want to, if you want to, just be honest. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah. Mind you, after we heard the records, we, me and Joe sat in the car like, that nigga fall off. <laughs> I don't know what you thought. That nigga ain't fall off, man. <laughs> that nigga's kind of nice. But I was blown away. I was blown away by these records. I'm just like, yo, people have to hear this. And then from there, it, it took me to just getting to know you as a person. I'm like, yo, Royce being just a great MC and just. A phenomenal lyricist alongside with rapping the likes of, you know, uh, Eminem and Dre and then writing records for, for Puff and, and just doing these crazy things. He's not really getting his just do out here. It's like, I just was, a, I was blown away by it. And then, then knowing you as a person, I was like, this guy's fucking cool, man. I don't get it. Well, thank <laughs> you, fun. man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, that just goes to show it's not just about the music. Mm-hmm. It's about everything. You know what I mean? And it, everything has to line up. I always tell my boy, my boy B right there, a classic, like to make a classic album, I honestly, I swear to God, I don't want to get too, you know, like the universes, you no, know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to get too crazy, get but listen, man, a classic, I honestly feel like when a classic is made, things happen all at the same time. Crazy shit, like, he may be opening up his laptop at the same time as somebody else is opening up their laptop while a fucking penny is falling at the same time that it hits something and triggers something there. Like, I feel like something crazy in the universe just happens. I don't feel like you can make a classic. I just think they happen. You know what I mean? So I just think success, like success, real success with longevity, I think happens how it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? I don't think there's really much that you can do. It's about things lining up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just about incredible records. It's not just about talent. It's just about things lining up. Do you also feel like it's about you wanting to stay who you are and not change with the times when it comes to music, whether distribution or anything like that? Absolutely. But, you you know, you learn that. That's something that you learn through trial and error. Every artist goes through it. Because, you know, prior to getting into the business, you just had your own perception of what you think the music is, and then you get into the industry and you find out that it's nothing like what you thought. All I had to do was just be myself. All I had to do was just make shit and not think so much and just let it happen. I try not to, you know, like, I like to do very technical things when I write raps, but I try not to use too much of my brain, man. I I try to let, let it just flow. You know, you can tell you can tell when an artist is thinking too much. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's almost like it's no feel there. You know what I mean? And I just feel like you know the more shit that you can do that may resonate with people, the longer that it's gonna last. Because you can you know anybody can just overthink some shit and just keep coming up with lines and make people go ooh. But then you know they don't. It's not they don't necessarily want to hear them again. They just they'll talk about a ooh shit line that they heard from you. But they won't go, oh, I need to hear that again. Yeah. I, I think that's the great thing about, you know, a lot of the music that you, that you put out between Bad Meets Evil, Prime, and Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse being the focal point. All of you guys have this unique story 
of just wanting to be accepted for being lyricists and wanting to just be yourselves on records without dealing with label scrutiny and then consumer scrutiny. You guys legitimately get in the booth and just me just witnessing it and you guys are getting in the booth and just being yourselves and telling your story. A lot of artists really aren't comfortable doing that and, 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 and feel a way about doing it. You know what I'm saying? That, and that's what consumers do. A lot of people don't realize it, it puts the artists and the talent in a, in a space where they can't be themselves and then addictions form and then bad habits start to happen and, they, and then they lose themselves. Or even on that, it's like when artists are being themselves, now they're being like criticized by the, the fans or other people like, yo, why is he dressing that way? Yeah, I don't like to see, I don't like to see that. I don't like to see that because you know it's, it's the art is different for for different people. You know what I mean? Um, some people get into the game and they come in kind of like a vessel. You know what I mean? They come in like, yo, I'm gonna make radio hits. I'm gonna show them my swag. It's a place for them too. You know what I mean? And then you have artists like myself, where the music is is therapeutic. It's, it's a coping mechanism. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like. People, everybody thinks that every artist comes to the table and wants to sell 10 million copies and all of that shit. I don't think about shit like that. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I just have shit that I need to get off my chest. I come to the studio so I don't go crazy. I don't come to the studio because I'm trying to figure out how I can outsell Eminem. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a big deal to me. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen, I've seen, like, I've witnessed that huge success, like having not being able to go anywhere and people chasing you through the mall. That shit is fucking overrated, man. It's overrated. It's overrated experience. I'm cool. I'm cool on that. I really need to make my music the way I want to make it. And then, you know, like running into people. I just seen a kid the other day. I was out eating because I went to this art exhibit thing. Kid came up to me and said, yo, your music helped me through a lot of shit. He was like, I'm sorry, I got mental, he's like, I got mental health issues. He ran down a list of shit that he said he goes through, and he said it helped, man, that shit meant more to me than any record sale. That's got to feel good, man. It does. It does. That's, that's what people aspire to get to at some point when, when you're an up-and-coming artist. You just want people to, to feel you. And, and that could be in whatever fashion, like you said. It could be just because I want to make a radio hit and I want to make people dance. In your case, you want people to identify with you as a person. Yeah, I want to help I want them to, yeah, I want them to understand my music the way I understand it. I want it to resonate with them, and I want it to last. I want it to last. I want it to be, I want it to be the kind of music that you can play 10 years from now, and it still sounds cool, you know? Yeah, you gained a lot of wisdom throughout your career, and we can hear it in this interview. And I know recently you've been working with some upcoming artists like Tierra, a.k.a. Little T. So for that, like, how are you using your experience and your wisdom to help upcoming artists through their journey, especially this crazy music industry? I mean, you know, it's, 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 she's very smart. First of all, you know, um, I find that when I young, work with younger artists, like I'm working with this kid, Travis Chandler too. And he, these people, they, they like, they like wise beyond their years, but you can still, you know, you can still hear the immaturity in them. So it's just, it's tough trying to balance I use Chavis as an example. He's a lunatic, right? <laughs> He's a lunatic. So it's like his lunaticness, I know that's not a word, but we in a studio, so we're gonna make it a word. Yeah. His lunaticness is what makes him special, right? Like the things that Tierra don't know about the business and the things that, you know, like she doesn't know about him, so she can't be afraid of him. 
So she maneuvers in a way that's bold. She maneuvers in a way that's fearless. So you don't want to put all these things in front of her for her to worry about. I don't want to try to change Travis too much. I don't want to say, yo, man, you need to stop doing this and stop doing that. I got to let him be crazy and just keep him out of trouble. You know what I mean? So I kind of like help guide him in that way. As far as musically, there's nothing I can tell them musically. It's nothing. It's nothing I can tell them. I can show them a few things that I that I do that works for me. But there's a, there's a certain way that they have their finger on the pulse of what the kids like that I, I couldn't match. I can never match it. If anything, they can teach me. You know what I mean? That's a big statement. It's the truth. It's the truth. If these kids start listening to these fucking executives, these executives don't know shit. They just guys in positions. They in positions. They getting checks. The kids know what the kids like. This generation in particular is just, this is just the most special, rebellious generation. They don't want to be a part of shit. You know what I mean? Like, they don't want to, they don't care. They don't care how we used to dress. They don't care how nice Rakim is. They don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? So, it's something special about that. You got to let them do that. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it's just, I just kind of get in where I fit in with them. So, I don't step in the room when Chavis is making music and say, hey, man, you need to ad lib that right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, hell no. Let him do him. Let him do him. That's dope. I guess that's also, that also comes from your wisdom, though. Like, being around. I'm sure there's times where M probably thought that about you. He never tried to change me. Never. Never. He may, he may have said, yo, what if you made this? I think it was, um, I had a hook where it was like a chant. And he was like, what if four bars in, instead of chanting it, you went dun, dun, dun. You know what I'm saying? You made it melodic four bars in. You still saying the same thing? Like, that's the most he's ever done to change something in a record with me. Other than that, if I play it for him, crazy. Crazy. What's the next one? Incredible. What's the next one? Because it's, 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 it, resonates, it resonates with an artist different. It just does. Executives listen to music looking for something to criticize. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's pretty whack that it's, a lot of the fans seem to be turning into that. But it's only the ones that's on the computer ready to type what they think. You know what I mean? But we living in an era now where it's just like, we just need you to listen. We need you to listen. Whatever your opinion is, what your opinion is. But this is what you're getting. Do you feel like A&R still exists, A&R development, or do you feel like that's pretty much gone? It's non-existent. Non-existent. I, don't, when, when, I can't think of the last artist I seen get developed at a label. Shit, if y'all can name one, I'll stand corrected. I don't know of any. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There, shouldn't even, there should be no such person in that position at any label. All they're doing is all they're doing is looking at numbers. They're looking at views. They're looking at streams. They're saying, okay, this this kid, this kid was able to amass this amount of streams and he's doing this amount. Okay, well, I want to go buy into that because I want a piece of it. That's all they're doing. Yeah. They're not saying, yo, let me take you, man, and show you how to deal with media. Let me take you. Please. That shit's not happening. Yeah, that that that's how it used to be when I when I when I got signed, I had to sit up at Sony for hours and deal with media training. These kids, these kids, nah, these kids getting them, they can barely talk. They don't know nothing about the history of the culture. They don't know shit. All they know is they like to have fun and make money and get out of their way. Yeah, but it's not just artists. It's it's millennials in general. Like some of them don't even know how to have even a phone conversation. Like that's nuts to me. But that but that's how things change. Times have changed. You know what I mean? That the, the values I think that we have as a, uh, 
from a generational aspect, it's not there anymore. And I think that that's something that should be brought to the forefront because, again, if that starts to happen, that's going to just be a spiral that people just ain't going to really give a shit and aren't going to really have and move with integrity and really build and, and, and cultivate the culture as a whole. And I think that that's something that really needs to be addressed. And shit, when you think about the culture, a uh, big announcement just came out for Paul. I know you guys are extremely happy for him. Um, I think it's well-deserved. I've met mm -hmm. him on a few different occasions with you guys. A great guy, um, very intelligent, um, overqualified to me for, for the job. Um, I guess my question would be, what does that mean for you? I haven't, I haven't thought about it. I mean, um, obviously, man, I would go anywhere Paul is at. It's like one of my closest friends. But, I mean, it's it's... Look, man. Before Paul was there, I'm all I would I would have been down to talk to anybody at Def Jam. You know, when the time is right. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not worried about nobody fucking up my projects because I move all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like I do all the groundwork myself now. I just have a vision, just like I have with Slaughterhouse, just like I have with Prime. It's just like there there isn't going to be nobody in any position that can fuck it up. We do it ourselves. You know what I mean? So Paul being over there, I think that's a great thing. I just haven't, I'm so happy for him. I haven't really thought about where I fit in with, in, in that scenario. But, um, I mean, I guess that's something to think about in the future. I just haven't thought about it yet. You know, I'm just happy for him. Like when he called me and told me that he was doing it, it was like he's no emotion. You know what I mean? Like he's not like a, he doesn't have any, he doesn't display emotion. So it was like when he told me about it, it was almost like he was giving me bad news. I was, I paused for a minute and I was like, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> this is good, right? This is, we happy, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was just like, all right, shit, congratulations. You know, I went, yeah, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? So it was like, I, know, I told him, I know you're going to kill it, man. And he was like, yo, I hope so. You know, he had to, he had to hit me with the humble. But he know he knows what he's doing, man. You know what I mean? Like he's the run that he went on just with Marshall alone. You know, just the, just the Shady Records run where they were at their height. You know, alone. You know, um, Def Jam could stand and use one of those. Any any label, any system. He showed where he's capable. Um, he's very instrumental in all the decisions. He's not just sitting back. You know what I mean? It's like I call him Clyde Sheldon. I call. <laughs> I call him Clyde Sheldon. He's a dude making the bombs. He's making the bombs and breaking out of jail. You know what I mean? So I'm happy for him. Dope, dope. We actually have a fun question to ask you. So if you were in a position where, let's just say you worked at Def Jam, instead of being the artist, you're more so in the administrator role. Mm -hmm. If you could make a group at Def Jam that's similar to impact that Slaughterhouse had. What would those artists, like what artists would you have? Yeah, I like uh, King Los, um, Fab, yeah. Sahada Prince. Um, I'm going to say uh, Abso. Good choice. He's a sleeper. That's a yeah. good choice. Yeah. I like those guys. If they could get together, that'd be crazy. I don't think they could take the real slaughterhouse though. <laughs> <laughs> no, well you, well, you didn't say that. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I'm throwing it out there. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm processing that. I'm like, whoa, let me. Yeah, whoa, crazy. is that what I said? I didn't, okay, I didn't that's want you to crazy. think that's what I was saying. Now, 
Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. But I mean, what's next for you, Royce? I'm working on a solo album right now um, that I've really been wanting to get out for a long time. Um, one where I'm delving really, really deep into my history. Um, as far as introspection and just how personal it is, it's probably how my first album should have sounded. You know, so I'm working on that now. It's called Book of Ryan. I'm looking, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking to get that out as soon as possible. I'm also working on Prime, and we also working on Slaughterhouse too. Well, I, w I wasn't gonna ask about that, but since we're here, <laughs> you weren't gonna ask about what? The Slaughterhouse. I mean, it, it's a common thing. Y'all, y'all know that the, the world is waiting. Like people are. You say you wasn't gonna ask about it? No, I wasn't. And Why not? The reason I wasn't gonna ask about it is because I feel like present day right now is the cliche thing between Joe making his comments, between Crook on Instagram, between Joel, <laughs> and, and then it would be you. So I'm just adding to the fuel of, of, of this media mayhem that and, and or demand of people wanting Slaughterhouse. But since we're here. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a work in progress. That's all. Everybody's just passionate about it. That's all. Anytime you see comments being made, um, it's, never, it's never that we don't get along with each other. Now, let me just let me just get that let me just get that straight and break that shit down so it can forever be broke. Everybody gets along with each other. Everybody is great. Sometimes you may have one member that wants to do it a little sooner than another member, and that causes a little bit of an issue. You know what I'm saying? But that's just passion. That's passion for the creativity. That's a great thing. So you know, like it's it's a work in progress, and it will happen. It's just it's just about when. That's all. And with me personally speaking from my my role in the group, I'm trying to figure out a way to roll everything out in a smooth way. Going from my solo project is it's hard for me to navigate from solo project to prime to slaughterhouse and win. And it's only hard because sometimes people demand a timetable from me that I can't give them. That's it. But in terms of it getting done, it will get done. I mean, again, I, I was privileged enough to hear a bunch of Slaughterhouse records that I, I think are phenomenal. I'm curious to know what y'all would come up with now, considering you guys are all in different spaces. Something better. Something yeah. better. I mean, it's, it's and that's all. And, and, and another good thing about Slaughterhouse is we, in 2012, like Joe said, we, we created a whole body of work. So it's not like we're coming in from zero. You know, like we, we already have something here to build on. Easy, easy work, easy work. It's just getting everybody together, getting everybody in the same building, probably here, and just getting it done. Easy work. All right, well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know everyone here is looking yeah. forward to it. Um, They're always listening to probably. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess, is it possible to, to get something from the new album? I mean, can, can we hear something? Yeah, I can, you can hear something. Right. Yeah, why not? Well, hold on. I like playing music. <laughs> All right, so this is Royce the Five Nine off the Book of Ryan coming soon. Check it out. I'm no longer a prospect. I'm what you call a veteran legend, man. I'm a prospect. All right, all right, all right. That's it. It's, it. This is an early access preview. Under normal circumstances, this type of shit don't happen. So I'm taking what I can get, especially because Kino put the clamps on all of this and we had to cut it. So thanks, Kino. Love you, Kino. <laughs> nah, but seriously, on, on behalf of the Grassroots family and team, thank you again for your patience and what you've done here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Royce 5'9". Yo, what's up? This is Royce the 5'9", and you're hearing My Grassroots.